got 28 people to connect back with me. And of those 28, I actually did informational interviews like a live chat with 16 of them. So altogether in the past four or five months or so, I've had 22 different people to learn from. And, you know, I mean, you can do some math. If, if everyone has an average of five years of experience, that's like over a hundred years of experience that I learned from and, and basically just like 10 hours of, of interviews. Welcome to It's a Material World, the show that uncovers why material science will change the world with your hosts, David Ye and Puneet Upadhyay. Before we get into the episode, we have a free MSC company database categorized by industry sector, location, as well as internship and full-time titles, so you can find that link in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's get started. Hey everyone, today's episode is especially important to us because we're covering a significant challenge many MSC students in early career professional space, discovering what they're truly passionate about and landing a job at a company they'll love and a role that they'll truly enjoy. To discuss this, we're excited to bring on Bennett Smith, an MSc student at the University of Florida and an active member of our MSc Academy program. He recently completed his job search process and accepted an offer at Carbon3D. So while his experiences are still fresh, we wanted to still give him a chance to share his experiences and learnings with us and other MSCs. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bennett. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into your job search process in great detail, you know, can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you were at at the very beginning of your job search process and where you're at right now? Yeah, of course. So I grew up in central Florida, you know, just a little bit north of Orlando. And then I ended up going to the University of Florida originally to study mechanical engineering. But then after my freshman year, I switched over to material science and engineering and, and the main reason for that at the time was because I was really interested in solar energy. And I did a lot of research on people who worked in that field. And I saw that most of them had uh, material science degrees. So at the time, it seemed like a, a no brainer to switch for me. Obviously, since then, my passion for MSE has grown like far beyond solar energy. But yeah, I ended up specializing in polymers and metals in my last uh, two years at school. And I'm graduating this May. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at now kind of answers the first part of your question, I guess. And then uh, for where I was at the start of my job search process, I would say I, I really started back in November, like around Thanksgiving break of last year. I really started trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was very much at square zero. <laughs> I didn't have any internships in the past to really give myself an idea of what to do. I did do some research in like a battery group, but you know, research wasn't for me. So I was starting from basically square zero, not even square one, but uh, <laughs> I started searching for full-time jobs around then. And then fast forward to today, it's like four months later, I now have accepted, like you mentioned, a role at Carbon as a research scientist, which I'm starting in about a month. So I've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you said you, you were interested in like the solar energy side of things. What maybe led you to kind of like not growing out of it, but just like realizing a passion for like the sports industry and additive manufacturing. Right. So, so with the solar energy, the, the part of it that I was really interested in was the like investigating new battery materials. So like just trying to come up with different chemistries to, to make batteries so that cobalt didn't have to be used because there's lots of problems with cobalt. But anyways, 
I realized that to get into that space, I really was probably going to have to go down the PhD route and get a, you know, a, a PhD degree to be able to do research. And personally, for me, I wanted to get right into industry after I graduated. So that didn't really line up with my long-term goals. So then I kind of just started asking myself, what am I really interested in outside of school, just in general? And that's kind of where I came into the sporting goods space. And I didn't know at the time that there were jobs for MSEs in that space, but I can talk about this later on too, but there's jobs everywhere for MSEs. <laughs> materials are everywhere. So if you have materials in your interest, then there's probably an engineering related job that you can do. So, yeah. So you're, you're saying that you kind of came to a decision point within like a few years and you made a, a pivot, I guess. For you, how hard was that pivot? It sounded like it wasn't like the hardest thing because it was pretty daylight. It was either spend five more years in school or go and start industry. But was there any type of process you went through to make that decision or you knew exactly what you wanted to do and uh, it just didn't align with your end goal? I will say in the sense of me knowing exactly what I wanted to do. The only thing I knew I wanted to do was get into industry after I graduated. But I, outside of that, I really had no idea what industry I wanted to go into or anything like that at the time when I was trying to decide if I was going to change gears from this, this battery route. But the, the main driving force behind that decision was I just knew personally for me, I didn't want to go on to graduate school. It was more like a financial thing at the time. Like I just wanted to start working and earning money. And so it really was not that much of an option for me. So that's, that's kind of why I ended up changing routes. I remember at like the very beginning of the process, when we had just met, you were basically just like, I'm interested in everything MSC. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's great, but <laughs> we're going to have to narrow that down a little. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that's why I love MSC in the first place was because you really get to learn about a little bit about everything. But then you kind of come into a problem where it's you you love everything, but you can't really have a, a job that you do everything in. You know, you have to pick a couple <laughs> things to like. So yeah, I was very much at that point where I had all these interests, but I needed to pick a couple to narrow it down. Like, like you said, MSC is such a versatile space. So there are seemingly endless options to choose from. So how could could you walk us through your first steps where you were trying to navigate what field you want or what type of job you would like and what strategies you found most effective to narrow it down, like Puneet said. Yeah, so the first thing I did was I just kind of looked back at my undergraduate experience and thought to myself, you know, what classes and labs really stand out to me? Like, did I really enjoy learning about a certain subject or doing some hands-on experience with something in the lab? That, that's the first thing I did. And that when I thought about that, that's when I really realized that additive manufacturing was something I was really passionate about because one of the first things that popped into my head was a lab I did like in my sophomore year. So a couple of years back and uh, it was an additive manufacturing lab. And the fact that that still stood out to me was kind of telling me something that that was maybe a route I should, I should go down. And then I also asked myself outside of school, like, what am I just interested in, in general? Like, what are my my passions that I would love to see myself doing a full-time job with, with some of these and really leaving it open-ended so that I'm not lim limiting myself. And then hopefully I can figure out a way to take those passions and turn it into an MSE career. So that, that was very much step two was kind of separating from the school side and just thinking what I'm interested in. And, and like I said before, I, I didn't have any internships. I feel like uh, some people can use internships as a way to like figure out what they want to do, but that wasn't an option for me. And even though I had one research experience up to that point, 
it's, it's still like didn't give me that much to go off of. So I can't really speak too much on that side. Uh, but I know that's, that's some things that other people do is use internships to answer that question. And then the last thing I did, I guess second to last thing I did was just Google searches. I've probably changed the wording like 10 or 15 different times, but it's essentially <laughs> the same search, like careers for MSCs or, or jobs for people with MSC degrees or companies that hire MSCs. There's this, I just barely changed the wording, but did a ton of Google searches. Mm-hmm. And the, the main takeaway from that is what's out there on the internet. I, I just wasn't satisfied with the answers that I was getting. So then that's when I came to the MSC Academy and enrolled in that because I was like, okay, I've been listening to this podcast for a while and they speak with a ton of different people from all these different industries. They probably have a lot more information than what I'm able to find online. And that, that, that's kind of how I got to, to you guys as well. But those were all the steps I took to kind of figure out what I wanted. That's awesome. Before we get into that a little bit, can you talk us through what your research experience was? Because it was kind of related to sports, right? Yeah. So uh, I've been talking about the battery research experience, but I did get to do um, starting in my junior year and, and all the way till the end of my senior year uh, research experience with um, goalkeeper gloves for soccer. So soccer is like my main sport. And one of my professors had played soccer in college. So she kind of was like trying to get me into this research. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. But essentially, it was uh, finding a way to repair goalkeeper gloves so that they could get used more often uh, and not get thrown away. So it's essentially like making the whole process more sustainable where goalkeepers don't have to go buy new gloves. And I used wet chemistry, like polymers, material science, kind of uh, things I've learned in class and also things I've never experienced before to, to try to come up with a solution for that. But I did get that exposure to the sporting goods uh, side of material science towards the end of my degree. All right, cool. So now we kind of have reached that timeline of you enrolling into MSE Academy. And I think the big thing that we try to offer is like the networking side of things and just highlighting the importance of that. I know I've done it multiple times in this podcast because over the past year, it's done a lot for me in terms of my personal and professional growth. But I want to hear about how it's helped you in your job search process specifically. So what types of insights did you gain through networking that helped you ultimately determine the right path for you and kind of gain that blueprint for success? Yeah, I've kind of been holding off on this on my previous answers because I knew the question was coming, but networking <laughs> is like by far the number one tool that that helped me succeed. I feel like in this job process, not just like ultimately getting me a job, but even just getting to the first interview, networking played a huge role for me. So yeah, let me just talk about that in a little detail. So essentially, the first time I ever really started uh, networking was in my first research group. I, I told my professor that, you know, I what my long-term career goals were, and she tried to hook me up with some people she knew that could help me out. But, you know, I didn't really get to speak to those people just because they didn't get back to me, even though I reached out to them, which that's part of the whole networking experience. You're going to reach out to a bunch of people and not all of them are going to get back to you. So that was my first real experience with networking. But then when I joined the MSC Academy, that's when I actually started talking to people, which, which is awesome. Yeah, I talked to, uh, I was tallying it up yesterday, like six people from, from the MSC Academy network. And I actually got to meet live with them and have like a 30 minute chat, what, what I call informational interviews, where basically I, I just approach them and ask if I can learn more about what they do. And kind of through that, get advice from their experiences without having to actually do it myself. 
which was a spot I was in. Since I didn't have any internships, I had to learn from other people's, you know, internships and, and jobs. So yeah, I spoke with six different people and I'm pretty sure it was like six different jobs from, just from the MSE Academy network. And that was a great jumping point for me to start doing even more networking on my own outside of the Academy network. And that's when I went on LinkedIn and started uh, trying to connect with people on LinkedIn there. And so really what I did with that is I would go on to companies page on LinkedIn. And, and I, I'll, I'll put a caveat here. This is advice that I got from Puneet from the MSC. <laughs> so I want to make sure I give him credit. For um, no, it's yeah. all you, Ben. It's all you. <laughs> so, so no, I went on the company page on LinkedIn for companies I was interested in working for. And then I went to the people section and it's kind of like my, my social media scrolling, you know, a lot of people, Instagram, Facebook scroll, but I was LinkedIn scrolling, <laughs> looking at all these people's profiles. And then I would try connect with people that were in roles that I could see myself working in and also had similar backgrounds to me with like engineering degrees. And then if they connected back with me, then I would send them a message asking to do this informational interview. And from that, I, I got 28 people to connect back with me. Mm-hmm. But that was probably out of like 100 plus people <laughs> I tried to connect with. I don't even know the number for that. But 28 people got back to me. And of those 28, I actually did informational interviews, like a live chat with 16 of them. Wow. So altogether in the past four or five months or so, I've had 22 different people to learn from. And, you know, I mean, you can do some math. If, if everyone has an average of five years of experience, that's like over 100 years of experience that I learned from and and basically just like 10 hours of, of interviews. So it's just an amazing tool to learn what I wanted to do. And then also how I could get there without having to do anything myself, just taking advantage of other people's experiences. I I guess for the informational interviews, when you go in to talk with someone in a position that you'd want to work at, what do you think are like the three most important questions or the three most important topics you should talk about uh, when you have this to actually be able to walk away with concrete, yes, I want to do this, or no, I don't want to do this? That's a great question. I would say the first thing uh, for me personally that I wanted to know was, what is this role actually like? So I asked some questions like, what is the day-to-day in your role? Something like that, just so I can get a sense of what it is actually like versus what I have conceived of it in my head. That's number one. I want to make sure I'm going to like what I'm doing. And I can learn that firsthand from these people. And then I would say probably the next thing that I, that I asked was how can I, like, what are important traits for someone to be successful in this role? Because that's something I also want to know if, if I do decide this is something I want to do, I want to know how I can market myself the best to these companies so that they can think about interviewing me. And then I would say those are probably the top two. The third one, I would say, asking them what skills and experiences can I highlight uh, on my resume to show recruiters that I would be a good fit for the role. It kind of goes with number two, but it's a little bit different because now uh, they can give you like hard skills or that you can, that you can market versus just soft skills that you might get with the second question I asked. So those are probably the three main questions I went into it asking. And I would say the first question can turn into like five or six different questions about the day-to-day because as they start talking about it, you'll probably learn more things that you have questions on. But but that's really the the basis I would I would have for these informational interviews, the questions I'd go in asking. I'm I'm just like so proud just like seeing you kind of like your confidence has grown and like your networking skills and just ability to build relationships has grown so much since we first met. So first of all I just want to say I'm super impressed and I'm happy for you for 
ultimately accepting this offer at Carbon, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but another thing I wanted to add to that, kind of like those types of questions is now that you have someone that you've talked to, that's more like now like a warm connection rather than a cold connection. So you can take advantage of that by asking them if there's anybody in their network that they think would be a good fit to chat with me further to learn about like something else about the company or about another role or things like that. So that's just much easier than reaching out via like a cold connection, like on LinkedIn or email. And just wanted to put another disclaimer. That's something I learned from David. So that's, that's another cool thing about this community is you're just learning from a bunch of people instead of just trying to figure it out all on your own. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I would say I always keep that in the back of my head too. Like my initial approach to these was just trying to hear more about them and their experiences, but it's always in the back of my head. Okay, is this going well? At the end of it, maybe I can ask them if they know anybody else I can speak to. Because that is the ultimate goal. Like you want to get a job through these these networks, through these connections. But I mean, it, it's it's kind of a tightrope to walk because you don't want to just go into it asking for a job. But I always kept it in the back of my head, like you said, and I learned that from you guys too. So I, I don't want to take complete credit for that. <laughs> and I guess the the thing there is you shouldn't have the goal of asking them for a job, right? Like that's the key component is you want to be able to learn from them. But again, like Bennett said, if it goes well, then they can be a resource to help you in your job search process through a referral connection to a hiring manager, recruiter, et cetera. So we'll leave it at that. Just, I want to reemphasize is that if you were on the other side of the table and someone was asking you about your job and stuff like that, just think about like, how it would feel like if they asked for a job. And so there, there's a way to go about it and there's a smart way and there's a dumb way. And so I guess my dumb way would be just at the end saying, so, hey, like, can you give me a job? <laughs> there's much better ways to phrase it. There's much better ways to get help from them without having them go on such a large leap because it's way easier for me as an employee to refer you to the hiring manager or send off your resume then like, cool, like we have this connection now. So I, I'm much more willing to like help you out, but I'm still not going to do all these, go through all these hoops for you because you still have to know your limit as a connection. And so walking that line is how you become successful with these things is uh, learning how, how to work with people who are willing to help you, but not going so far where uh, it's going extremely far where like, I would only do this for like my best friend. Um, so there, there are limits. And so knowing your limits, knowing what is reasonable is very important to be successful in these. And then, so question for you, Bennett, then just to give us an example of some insights that you learned or a blueprint for being successful in the sporting goods industry. Can you like give an example of something that comes to mind, something that stuck out to you or resonated with you um, from one of your informational interviews that helped you in your job search process? Yeah. So, so when I went into these informational interviews at the very beginning, I kind of had a good idea that the sporting goods industry was where I wanted to go, but there's a lot of different roles that an engineer can have in the sporting goods industry. You know, there's equipment, there's apparel, and there's footwear, which I learned all of this through these informational interviews anyways which was a great thing. But, but what really stood out to me was I, I did one informational interview with someone who is basically like a footwear tester at a sporting goods company. And they ran me through like all the tests they run and the different materials they use and, and all of this lab work 
testing footwear. And after having that information on interview, I was like, wow, footwear is really cool. That's where I want to go with this uh, sporting goods path. And, and that even helped me narrow down even further, not just sporting goods, but what uh, specific part of the sporting goods industry I wanted to go into. So now, now that you had like the successful informational interviews, the next step would be to talk to the hiring manager or get connected with someone higher up. And so going into those conversations, how did you use the information from the informational interview or other places and kind of help improve your resume uh, or your application for each of these jobs descriptions? So one of the, the main things I learned from the informational interviews for the sporting goods industry specifically is that being a good presenter is key. Uh, multiple people had told me that just being able to present to people, especially taking technical information and presenting it to non-technical people. That's a really big skill for the industry. And I learned that through my informational interviews. That's not really something they advertise in all the job descriptions. Sometimes they do, but, but I really learned that from speaking with people who worked in the industry. And then I went and took that information and put it onto my resume. I basically thought back to all my classes did I do a presentation? What was the presentation on? You know, how many people was I presenting to? And then I could put bullet points to my resume in, in the relevant sections that said, you know, presented on this project to this many people. Or even at the top of my resume, uh, which is where I include like most of my relevant skills, because I feel like the top is all the recruiters are going to read at least the first beginning of your resume. I had a little bullet point that said like four years of presenting to, you know, engineering students, like 50, 40 plus engineering students, because I essentially in every single class I had, we had a presentation at the end of the class to the entire class. So, you know, I had the, the, that experience presenting and I wanted to make sure that was highlighted at the top of my resume. Awesome. And then, so in this like footwear specific industry, were there any technical skills? I'm just trying to figure out, I know not everybody might be interested in footwear specifically, but just the types of skills that you learned are like a prerequisite to success or, or sought after by the hiring managers or recruiters in this industry? Yeah. So the main thing with footwear and, and specifically footwear testing, which is what I wanted to get into, is, is a good understanding of like the physics of the testing and, and the testing equipment. So one, like one of the main tests you can do on footwear uses a tensile tester or a compression tester, like an Instron, if, if you've ever heard of that before. And that, that was a, a really important skill for me to have, because I had, if I had experience with that equipment and even with the software, then that they don't really have to train me too much on that. I can just jump in and already know how to do that. And the other thing was uh, the material science came in, in real handy when it came to polymers, uh, because a lot of the material testing for footwear comes, at least from my experience, talking to people comes for the midsole, which is made of polymers, urethanes or EVAs, just different types of polymers. So understanding the chemistry behind the polymers and specifically how they were made, like injection molding is, is, a, is a process used to make those midsoles. Understanding that process and the different parameters and, and how to change that to get a better product, that was an, an important skill too, which I had taken a class that in, involved injection molding. So that was another thing I put at the top of my resume was a polymer processing it was in like a relevant coursework session. The, cl the class was called Palmer Processing. And then in parentheses, I listed injection molding because I knew from my informational interviews, that was something that would really stand out when I'm applying for these jobs. Nice. nice. Wait, David, quick question for you. Did you use Palmer's in your current internship at Tesla? 
Yeah. Um, I've actually used polymer knowledge in a lot of random places and Tesla being one of them. And so uh, basically polymer systems are an extremely important manufacturing and equipment, like basically material. Uh, polymers and composites especially are just very versatile in what they can do. And when you go into uh, like roles where you're working on larger material systems and larger tool systems, there's most likely going to be things that will be polymers and composite base. And so knowing the basics gives you a leg up over other people who don't know anything about material science or chemical engineering when things go wrong with the system. And so uh, I, I had an issue with the composite system and knowing the polymers basically sped down the iteration time from like months to like figure out the problem in a week and then working with the vendor in like three more weeks to fix the problem. So overall, it's extremely helpful to know polymers, even if it's not the main like goal of what I'm working on. Just it's going to be around you at some point in your life. So knowing the basics just help you if a problem does ever arise for you. Yeah, that was just like a confirmation of what I initially thought when Bennett brought up this point, but polymers are like everywhere. I'm, I'm using them in my medical device job. Um, I use them in previous internships, even at like GE Aviation Additive. I, you know, we learned about like polymers and like polymer matrix composites, I think, in addition to like various metals, right? Like you think metals when you think of the aerospace industry, but polymers, are really everywhere. So all, all that to say, I think it's important to have a good polymers knowledge base because that would be helpful for any industry that you enter basically. All right, so Bennett, now that we've covered the resume side of things, we should get into the interviews. So can you tell us to whatever extent you're comfortable with like some of the companies you ended up interviewing at, what that process was like and how you prepared for those interviews, because that would differ, right, with each round, like your preliminary interview is different from your third round interview when it comes to a full-time job, right? Right. Yeah, I'll start off answering this just by saying really in general how I prepared for the first stage of interviews, and, and in most part, I, I did this again for the second and third stage and so on. So essentially, my strategy for preparing was I would start off on their website and basically approach it like I'm gonna be taking a test on this website. So I'm, I'm studying the website, taking notes and, and trying to remember everything I can that's relevant to this company. Because I mean, when I'm interviewing for this company, they're probably gonna ask me what I know about it. So I wanna make sure that I know my stuff. So that's that was step one. I really went down a rabbit hole and clicked on every single tab I could on the website. And if it seemed like it might be relevant and something they could ask me about in the interview, then, then I, I took note of it. And then uh, the second thing I did to prepare was I would go look up anything I wasn't familiar with from the job description. And, and I, this happened to me a couple of times. I mean, I'm, I'm just an undergraduate student. I'm probably not going to know everything I need to know for the role, but they might ask me about it if it's in the job description. So I wanted to make sure I at least had a high level overview of everything that was listed in the job description. And, and so I would go and look up anything I wasn't familiar with. And then uh, kind of my third step was going back. And, and this is a great thing about like the digital classes right now, at least for my school, is everything was saved basically from classes I took previous semesters. So I could go back and review notes and PowerPoints from classes that were relevant. So for example, um, the first role I interviewed was a role at Intel for like a semiconductor technician role. 
And so I went back and reviewed PowerPoints and notes from this class I took called Intro to Electronic Materials. And we talked a lot about semiconductors and band gaps and silicon, all these different things in that class that I knew would be relevant for the interview. So I went back and reviewed those notes as well. And I followed that same process basically for every interview that I did initially. And probably I did this maybe one or two days in advance so that everything was fresh in my head. And I'm not trying to cram as much information as I can into my brain. I just want to have all these notes so that I know I can reference something if it comes up in the interview. So I would say that's how I prepared. And then, I mean, I'm totally comfortable sharing everyone I interviewed with. So I interviewed with six different companies. Intel was the first one. I also interviewed with Boeing for a, a research and development role in their like coatings division. So, you know, like paint basically on metal. And then I interviewed at New Balance for a, a sustainable materials position. I also interviewed at Nike for a footwear research and development position in their polymers lab. And then uh, two more companies I interviewed at are both additive manufacturing companies. One uh, is Desktop Metal, which is a metal additive manufacturing company. And then finally, the, the company I accepted a job at was Carbon, which is a additive manufacturing company. I would say the, my role is polymers based. Uh, but, but they do things other than polymers as well. So yeah, th those are the companies I interviewed with. And then you wanted me to go into more detail about the process, correct? Yeah. And I guess like, how did your preparation differ for your initial interviews versus when you moved on to next rounds? So, so for the initial interviews, I mean, it was pretty much the same across the board. I would have like an initial phone call with the recruiter for the role. And sometimes that was an interview, you know, like 30 minutes, them asking me questions. And sometimes it was really just the recruiter seeing if I was still interested and kind of promoting the company, telling me more about the company. And sometimes even telling me things I should know to prepare for the next interview. And then after that, uh, almost all of the companies followed that up with a meeting with the hiring manager, either a phone call or a Zoom interview for like 30 to 45 minutes again. And, and that was where I, I used this preparation strategy that I just talked about. I used that before the initial phone screen, but then also again for the, the hiring manager related interview. And then following the interview with the hiring manager, if there was a next step, I tend to learn a lot of things during that interview that were important for the role. And so what I did for, for the companies that I really wanted a job at, I put together a PowerPoint, basically summarizing my experiences in the past that related to the role and, you know, even information I learned from the hiring manager or information I learned from networking with people in this space, like previously in the past, I would include all that in a PowerPoint presentation to highlight why I would be a good fit for the role. And, and that I felt like was going a little bit above and beyond. And I received great feedback from all the companies I did that. Uh, I received great feedback from them that it was really something that stood out to them was putting together that PowerPoint. And I even made sure I designed it in like the same colors that they use on their website, just marketing, you know, just make it look like a pricing on the cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so th that's where my preparation changed. I, I mainly did that for, uh, I had a couple panel interviews. So I did that for most of the panel interviews, which for those of you who don't know, a panel interview is with like two, three, four, however many people that are in the group that you could be working for. And then they'll just go around and ask you questions. But I did have one panel interview where I had to give a presentation. Like it was a requirement for the role, which, which was pretty rigorous, but also, also fun because now I actually had a, a reason for this presentation that I was putting together. <laughs> I actually wanted to hear it. 
So, and they always want to hear it, but this company specifically asked for it. And so, yeah, I also had to do that to give like a 30 minute presentation on my experiences. And, and then they asked me questions after that, but I would say that that covers most of the process for all of these. Yeah. I just wanted to add that. I think the slide deck is a way where you can really differentiate yourself. For example, I used it as a means to reach out to a hiring manager and, and a recruiter for a job I was interested in. And I got great feedback for it as well to the point where I was immediately scheduled for interviews and in my like final interview with my hiring manager, it wasn't even, it was like a reverse interview where she was like, I know everything I need to know about you. Do you have any questions for me? And I was like, this is maybe the easiest interview I've done in my life. Um, and then that, that led to an offer like the next day. So I think it does go a long way because you're kind of just like showcasing your experiences and an understanding of the role and how you differentiate yourself in the means of like five or six slides, which definitely stands out and shows that you're really interested in the role. Yeah, I do want to say one more thing about that too. It's a great process to help you become an expert on your own experiences. Uh, so like by making the slides and going through the past experiences you had, you can kind of hone in and, and really become an expert on telling your story. That was a great benefit for me for making those slide decks. And also on that note, and another thing I didn't mention about how I prepared was in the informational interviews, I also asked them, you know, do you happen to know any questions that, that might be asked or in general, like what, what I should expect to hear. So then I could prepare for that. And then I would, I wouldn't make necessarily a slide deck with the questions, but I would type out answers to those questions uh, whenever I had free time. And that was another great way for me to practice just mastering my own experiences, which I think is the most important thing you can do for an interview is just being a master of yourself because you need to tell your story. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to finalize that thought because that's what I did. I prepared you know, each bullet point that is a chance for like them asking for more information on that experience. So that's what I did. I basically just like summarized it in three or four sentences on my own, even before getting any interviews so that I was really prepared to talk about them in more detail. Cause that's definitely, especially in the first round or second round, they'll ask about that and they'll ask you to elaborate and see the results of that experience. And I kind of just like did that and then took it to the next level and summarized by saying, I think this experience would translate to this aspect of the role that I'm applying for. So just another kind of interview tidbit there. Now that you got all these interviews and they went well, and I guess quick, quickly going to it, how many of these interviews led to uh, full-time offers? Yeah, so I actually, out of the six interviews, I got one verbal offer and two written offers uh, for the role. So the verbal offer was just a, a phone call after the interview with uh, with one of these companies where I, I basically learned in the interview it wasn't the role for me, which is totally fine. You know, they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. And if you learn that it's not the role for you, then, then it's well within your right to say no. So that's why that didn't turn into a written offer, because I, I let them know that I wasn't interested, which also putting together a written offer takes a little bit of time. So, so you're saving them, them work and time if you're not interested. But then I got two written offers, uh, one from Desktop Metal and one from Carbon. And so that, that was a whole difficult process to, to decide because they're both out of manufacturing companies, uh, but I'm, we can get into that later. But yeah, I got, ended up getting two, two offers. 
That, that's awesome. But one challenge with uh, interviewing, you uh, had so many different interviews with so many different companies, big and small. So they're all on their own time schedule. But as these interviews tend to happen around the same time, but staggered enough to like actually let you go to all of them, uh, it, it does become difficult to have all the information necessary to make a decision by the time the first offer comes due. And so how did you go about working with companies to be kind of flexible with the timeline and actually give you, try to give you as much time as needed to make as well as an informed decision as possible. Yeah. So, so from my experience with the two offers I received, both of them gave me three days to respond. So I don't know if that's like an industry standard, but just from my personal experience, that's how long I got, which is a short turnaround. Um, so I, I was in a position where I had gotten three days to respond to my desktop metal offer but then I also had two interviews in that three-day period uh, and, and what I thought were the final interviews for the, the other two roles. And so I wanted to be able to do those two interviews and hear back from them so I could make the most informed decision possible. I didn't want to just jump on the first, the first thing that came to me. So I, I was in a position where I had to ask for an extension. And, and I feel like you're well within your right to. Is three days is, a, is a, especially a short amount of time. So uh, asking for an extension, I didn't feel too weird doing that. But essentially what I did was I sent them an email and I started off by thanking them for the offer, which I think is really important. Just making sure you know that they're giving you a great opportunity and that you appreciate it. And so I started off the email saying, thank you so much for the offer. I'm really excited for this opportunity. And then I went in to say, I was wondering if I could get an extension on making a decision. I'd just like some more time to consider all my options and make a more informed decision. And, and you don't really have to give them all the details. You don't have to tell them what companies you're interviewing for, what stages you are in that process. It's really up to you how much detail you want to give. But just what I said was enough for them to say, yes, of course, we can extend your deadline. And I didn't ask for a specific date. I, I kind of left it up to them. I gave them like a window. I said, could you extend it into mid to late next week? And then I kind of put the ball in their court. So they felt like they had more control and they could they could choose what day they wanted to extend it to, which I think was another important thing. Like me letting them know that I'm not trying to tell them what to do. I'm just asking for, for more time and then they can make a decision on that. So after you got that extension, what I, I know the decision process is big on its own. So what ultimately helped you arrive at your final decision and choose carbon to um, accept that offer from? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the, the thing that helped me the most, and this kind of goes back to the networking we've been talking about this whole time, is I asked everyone who knew me pretty well, I told them about uh, the, the two offers I had, and I asked them, like, what are your thoughts? And I, I learned through other people, you know, maybe what they thought I should do. But ultimately, it was my decision that, that all helped, you know, factor into my decision. But then the main question I asked myself was, what are my long-term career goals? That was like the most important thing for me. I wanted to make sure whichever company I chose, it would set me up for my long-term career goals. And that is eventually why I ended up going with Carbon because, you know, as you've learned from, from this, I'm pretty interested in getting into the sporting goods space. And Carbon has done uh, work with sporting goods companies, uh, making shoes, bikes, helmets, this, this various sporting goods equipment. And so I felt like that set me up better for my long-term career goals than the other company, which was a metal 3D printing, which probably could have led me into automotive or aerospace industry eventually. There, there might've been a way for me to, you know, turn that into a, a sporting goods thing later on. There's lots of metal used in like golf clubs and stuff. So that, that could have been a possibility I considered, 
but ultimately uh, I chose carbon because it aligned with my, my long-term career goals. And then one thing I also wanted to add was when I was deciding, I actually received a phone call from the hiring manager from carbon uh, before I made my decision just out of the blue on a Friday afternoon when I was going around asking everyone what I should do. <laughs> and uh, he, he just said that, that uh, they were really excited about the opportunity of working with me and they all really enjoyed my interviews. And that was just kind of like the cherry on top that pushed me over. It, it showed me that they cared about me as much as I cared about getting a job with them. And so that also helped me decide. That's awesome. So I guess in summary, in the span of just four months, you went from zero internships and having no clue what you want to do to ultimately landing a research scientist two position at Carbon, um, which is good for your long-term career growth. And it's super impressive. So we just wanted to wrap up the episode with your final pieces of advice for MSCs who are navigating their own career path and want to you know, find their passions and land their dream role. Yeah, the best advice I could give is uh, that you're never alone. You always have people you can ask for help. And so make use of that. For, for myself personally, I asked, you know, family and friends, classmates, uh, professors, even people on LinkedIn that I connect with, and also reaching out to podcast hosts, you know, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really ask everyone, you're never alone, never be afraid to ask for help. Uh, and also people love to talk about themselves. So if you're asking for help from someone, I'm sure they'll be happy to give it. I've never really had a scenario where someone was like, no, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> so, so that's the best advice I can give is just ask for help because you're young, you know, you haven't experienced too much and there's people out there that have experienced more. So, so why not take advantage of that? Absolutely. So if anybody ever wants to chat with you, what would be the best way to do that? Is that LinkedIn, email? Uh, I would say both are good options. Uh, I probably would respond to LinkedIn faster, but yeah, you can leave my email and, and my LinkedIn profile in the show notes and I'd be happy to talk to anyone in more detail because there are a lot of things we didn't get to. And, and so there's definitely more things I can talk about if people are interested. Absolutely. So we'll leave his LinkedIn and his email in the show notes below. And for our audience, if you're interested in learning more about MSE Academy, um, we'll include that link in the description below as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Bennett. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was, it was great to be here. Also, uh, I, I don't want to say that it's a for sure thing that you're going to get a job joining this course, but I did. So, hey, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> As a materials engineer, we can make an impact in nearly every single industry. But with that versatility comes a lot of options to choose from. So if you have no idea which position or industry is right for you, you're not alone. I've been there, I've done that. But just for a moment, imagine narrowing down your ideal role and company within the week. Imagine being able to secure your dream offer without having to apply to hundreds of job openings. Our online course, MSE Academy, includes video testimonials, resumes, interview prep, and mentorship from materials engineers who have been in your shoes. We also connect our members with companies and industry professionals in our expansive network to help accelerate your job search process as much as possible. To learn more and get started, simply click the link in the show notes below. And if you enroll within the next 24 hours, we'll add three bonus career-related resources. I hope to see you there.